The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Everybody, welcome back for another episode. And it's kind of like, where's Waldo? Where is Suzanne today? I'm in Arlington, Texas, pretty much right in the middle between Dallas and Fort Worth. We're here visiting a longtime friend of ours who just took us out on a lake on his boat. And I still have my hair still sticking straight up. It was fun and wild and very human. But today we're going to be talking about life beyond this human existence, the physical existence, at least, with who I consider one of the foremost experts in this whole arena, Dr. Craig Hogan. I also consider him a friend, a colleague, and just a gift to humanity. Uh, He is the author of multiple books about the afterlife, about consciousness. We'll talk about those. For our purposes today, he's the president of the Afterlife Research and Education Institute. Craig, welcome to the show. Oh, it's a delight. I'm always anxious to speak with you, Suzanne, and so this will be a real opportunity for us to share what we know to be true. There's such a greater world out there, and people just don't realize how big it is. Amen. I remember the last time we met in person, I believe it was the last time, was when I came to your part of the woods, Normal, Illinois. Right. Uh, gave a presentation. I had the pleasure of sitting and doing a reading for you, and I don't ever remember all the specifics, but all I remember is you have this really powerful team across the veil who is so proud of the work you're doing and so supportive and so involved in the work you're doing, and that was very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a wonderful reading. Thank you very much. And, And I'm very proud of them as well. I mean, we are working together. I know they're with me, and they come in at various times, and in various parts of them, various individuals will come in. And so it's a wonderful, it's a treat every time they come in. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, before we get started, you know, speaking of your books, you have quite a list of them here on the notes that I have. The best place for people to see the whole list of your books is at afterlifeinstitute.org. But there's something I want to share with the audience at the risk of embarrassing you, Craig, and that is that I just opened up one that I just purchased myself, and the copyright page 
is so different from most other people's copyright pages. I know even my books because it's standard stuff, say, all rights reserved, no part of this book may be reproduced or utilized in any way by any means, electronic or mechanical, blah, blah, blah. You know, that that just went in my books and most books because that's what we do. But everybody, listen to what's on the copyright page of Craig's book. This one is called There is Nothing But Mind and Experiences. It says, Copyright 2020. You may make copies of the text for any purpose that helps you or humankind develop spiritually. Don't charge money for anything in the book. Give it away freely. Please put the name, etc., etc., etc. So right away, I hope everybody felt this big heart surge because that just immediately points to your integrity, Craig. Yeah, I want everyone to share in these. We have so much to say, and we have to be very open about it. People have to realize the truth. And the only way that we can get it to them is by giving it away freely. And so that's what I do as much as I can. That's why I'm living in poverty and um, just just <laughs> paying the mortgage by still working at, at my late stage of life. And uh, so it is something that we have to do. It's a labor of love and, and always anxious to speak to anybody, to teach anybody, to give anybody anything that I have. Indeed. And that's, you rank right up there with a handful of people who I've had the honor of getting to know since I've been in this work who truly dedicates so much of your time. I don't I can't speak for you, but probably intuitively I can feel is is it's your burning passion and it takes up the majority of your time spreading the word yeah. and researching yeah. about the afterlife. Yes, it does. That's right. And, yeah. and not as much time as I wish I could have. I know it's uh, one of those things that you do as much as you can within the constraints of what you have. And, and there are opportunities always opening. And so I take advantage of them every time I have them open to me. Beautiful. So you made a, a remark there a minute ago. We really need for people to realize truth. So we have people that uh, listen to this show because they have recently uh, had a loved one pass, and they may not know what you're talking about when you say realize truth. So why don't we just dive right in there? What are you Good. talking about? <laughs> Good. So what we know is we know that there is a much greater reality that we are part of. It isn't separate from us. So then when we realize that there's a greater reality, much greater than we are, and that we are in that now, then we can realize that our loved ones who have just graduated, they've just gone on to another other form, are still with us. They're immediately with us, and they are alive and happy and healthy and, and anxious for us to speak to them. And all we have to do is take advantage of that and go ahead and speak to them. But all they've done is it's they've changed focus it's like they were standing someplace looking at a waterfall and they turned around and they looked at the seashore and they just changed their focus but they are still with us and we can communicate with them by opening up our minds in the way that you teach you teach wonderfully through your your uh, your bless me uh, experience that you have uh, and we they are anxious for us to speak to them they're waiting for us to speak to them and all we have to do is to open the door because they're standing there I love this. I mean, I've read so much of your work, and it so much rings truth to me because, of course, everything that we sense that we can't prove until we pass has to go through our human filters. And yet you and I must have similar filters because it truly is – we share the same understandings about most of this. So I'm going to ask you a lot of questions that I actually have my own understanding of, but I know that you can speak so eloquently to it, and I want – 
I want everybody to hear what you have to say. So you say that we are in that greater reality now. So why can't we sense our loved ones? Who have yeah, and, yeah, and it's uh, it's much the same as if we had fallen asleep and now we're dreaming. And so we're in this dream, and we're spending our time in this dream, and if we woke up, then we would be in, in our room with them, and we would be with our loved ones, and we would have a reunion with them. But we're staying in the dream, so we're still asleep. But all we have to do then is wake up. All we have to do is relax ourselves out of the dream and come back into the reality that we're in, and there they are. They're waiting for us to communicate with them. Now, they're not using bodies, so we can't knock on the door and, and have them open the door. But what we can do is we can communicate with them through our minds because our minds are one with each other. There's only one reality and there's one universal consciousness and we are part of that with them. And so all we have to do is, is tune ourselves to the universal consciousness, turn around and look at the, at the seashore instead of looking at the waterfall that we've been living in and they will be there and we can communicate with them mind to mind. That does take work. Uh, your work is excellent in, in teaching them how to do that because you focus on the inner self and people don't understand what the inner self is, what happens, what the phenomena are when they go into themselves. And if they understood that, if they could just realize how to go into that state of mind, then they would be able to make that connection anytime they want to. Well, uh, my soul and my human side are both <laughs> doing somersaults and clapping because this is it. And this is this is the whole point of Messages of Hope show. It's the whole point of my purpose, and so many people listening need to hear this. So when you say you don't understand what the inner self is, let's hear it in your words. Yeah. When we go into the inner self, what we're actually doing is relaxing out of the outer self. <laughs> so that when, as we look around, all of the senses are active. So we're seeing things and hearing things and uh, tasting, smelling, touching things. And when we relax out of those senses, then we come into ourselves. And at that point, then we are joining with our true reality. We're just we're just immersing ourselves back into it, and that allows us to be open to anything. We're open to our guides, and we're open to to uh, our angels, and open to our loved ones, and they're anxious to speak with us. And so, if we can just relax into the inner self and allow ourselves to go away from the outer self, then that connection can occur. And we do that by closing our eyes and we go into a, what is a meditative stance uh, and we just relax ourselves and then we allow that joining, allow that conversation to occur and it will happen all by itself. And one of the things that, that you teach that I think is very vital is to understand what happens, what the difference is when you go into that state of mind where you're having the connection. After a while, you get to feel that. You get to know what it, when it's true. You can see the difference between your imagination or your intention to bring a memory to you and you're allowing them, you're opening to the unfoldment so that it happens. And when you get used to going into that state of allowing the unfoldment to happen, then it happens very easily, very regularly, and it happens any time. But it does take training, and, and that's, uh, that's the part that people don't understand. We've never been taught to go inside and look at what's inside of us. We don't understand our different states of being. And if we begin to understand them, then we can allow ourselves to become immersed in what is already all around us, but we just have to allow that to happen. 
so perfect what you stated, and I giggled halfway through because I had already written my next question that the most common question people ask is, how do I know it's not my imagination? And you just answered that right off. Yeah, it's through yeah, discernment, through repetition. Because, yeah, because people are, are – we, we are reared in this world the way it is, our society the way it is. We're reared to believe that the only thing that's of any importance is outside of us. So we have books, and we have religions, and we have everything else that we're taught from being children, taught how to be good consumers in a society. And when we are taught that as children, then we, don't have, we have no idea that there is something inside of us that's more important, it's more vital, it's more alive than what's outside of us. And so we never have the opportunity to learn about that. And most people go through their whole lives never understanding what's inside of them. So what happens is that we have to relearn that. We have to learn that for the first time. We have to come into this understanding that if we just relax ourselves out of it, then we'll have it happen to us. Then we can see some of the things that are coming to my mind or imagination or intention. I want to see the, the image of my mother. Uh, I want to intend that to happen. And then the other things that are ha happening uh, are when we relax our minds and we're not then intending and we're not imagining, then spontaneously the image of my mother comes into my mind. And that then is coming from my mother. She's actually communicating with me at that point. Uh, and that's happened to me, of course. You know, at times I've had uh, my mother come into my mind, and she looks like a photograph that I have of her when she was very young. And uh, we know that the, when they transition to the next plane of life, they then have bodies that are like they were in their prime, so they're in their 20s and 30s. And so then they will sometimes project that to us. Uh, and when they project it to us, the, when they are, come to us and give us an image, it's something they're projecting. It isn't that we're looking at them as they are right now. And they're projecting or giving to us. It's like they're remembering themselves and whatever they want to remember. And then we're part of the memory. We, as, as one mind, are getting the same memory. So they're giving us what it is that they're thinking about. So that becomes natural. We begin to see the difference between illusion uh, or, or intention and the unfoldment. But to do that, we have to practice. We have to go into it see the difference, and enjoy the experience of having that come to us. So good to hear this. Wow. So people And, and in, uh, oh, in remote viewing, you know, I do remote viewing as well. And in the remote viewing, it's the same thing. So mm -hmm. I can sit in, in my office in Illinois, and, and somebody can put something on a table in New Jersey or Texas and, and say, there's something on, on a table in my house, and I can sit and close my eyes, focus on a table in Jim's house in, in Texas, and then I'll get impressions of it. I'll, get the, the, I'll be able to see it. Uh, I'll be able to get impressions of it if there was a sound that was made by it, something like that. But what mm -hmm. happens is when I go into that state, when I relax and go into that state, then I can, it's almost like I'm for a, a split second I'm falling asleep. And I don't realize it until I come back out of it, but it's like I drifted into sleep. And what's going on there is that we're changing states. We're changing states of mind. And everyone can do that. It doesn't require a special skill. But people just are not taught how to do that. They don't realize yeah. how to do it. And if they did, they would find a whole world, the, whole, the greater reality, which is a whole universe, and that's outside of us. They would discover that, and they would travel into it, like, like the pioneers who were going across the, the frontier. Yep, and they yep, would discover yep. things about themselves and about that greater reality. Yeah, that's, that's what I call adventures in consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
changes your life. So let's talk about that. You have so much to share, and I want to give you maximum time to do it. But people who are hearing you for the first time may be saying, who is this guy? And it's interesting. You're, you're Craig Hogan, Ph.D., and that Ph.D. is in business, correct? Yeah, it's in it's actually in training in business, and I, I train writers. I'm a, a writer trainer. Which is which explains why you have so many books. Perfect. Yeah, I can't yeah. stop writing. It's, it's <laughs> Good. No. Please don't. The, the reason Please I have don't. So many books I, I, is because go ahead. I, I keep being given the books. Ah, from spirit. Yeah, uh, the, after every book, I say I'm never writing another book. That was too much work. <laughs> And after every book, then within a short period of time, there's some uh, something else I have to write. My husband is nodding his head right now. He, <laughs> he recognizes that addiction or affliction or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the spirit world knows they have a good scribe in you, and your books are so helpful. In fact, I'm going to really bookmark this show in the archives, and if people want information about the afterlife, send them more deliberately to your site. Again, afterlife institute.org is an organization that you started, isn't it? The Afterlife Research yes. and Education Institute? Yeah, we founded that uh, that organization. And the reason we founded it is because we're learning so many things about the life after this life, about this life, about the universe. We're learning so many things from researchers and developers. There are people working out of their dining rooms. Uh, they don't get any money for this. And, and they're, they're doing it, and they're doing wonderful work. And what they're doing is they're changing humankind one person at a time, mm-hmm. and they need support. And so we developed the Afterlife Research and Education Institute to try to give them support. We're, we're, we're networking people, and we're, we're helping them in their endeavors. We're publishing their books, and, and we're trying to get financing to them. So the purpose of the Afterlife Research and Education Institute is to support people because in doing that, what we're doing is we are changing humankind. And we'll see that change, and we believe that, that there are going to be real changes in 2022. We're really looking forward to next year. Beautiful. And life is about change, and, and board members come and go, but I, I would love to give a shout-out to the original members that you were part of. That was Victor and Wendy Zamet and Suzanne Wilson and you, if I'm correct, and um, Roberta Grimes, Roberta. correct? Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. that's right. So that I, I looked group. on your website and things have changed. But boy, you guys, you started the AREI conferences that really brought a lot of people into awareness of what this is all about and shared information. And I'm hoping that when we have more in-person events that you'll have more conferences. Mm-hmm. Would love to. Would love to. So we're looking forward to it. And there's so much more to be told now. So much more to, that every day we're discovering new things. So it's a, a wonderful time to be alive. It's a, an adventure, as, as you say. It's an adventure in consciousness. <laughs> well, it's a wonderful time to be alive, but then, but we don't die. <laughs> no, we don't die. That's right. Yeah. So uh, there is uh, there is a, a man who came through. He was in World War Two. Uh, and he passed away in, in World War II, and he came through to his mother in a Leslie Flint seance, and he said to his mother, this uh, idea of death, it, it is something, it is man's invention, man invented death, the idea of death. All of those notions about the, the passing that, that we have learned from the time that we were children are myths. 
you know, when, when people walk across the, the lawn of the graveyard and they look down at the ground and they're sobbing and uh, the children who go along with them realize that there's something wrong, that their their loved one is down there, they're in the ground, well, this is awful. And so then they, they're taught that, they learn that, and that's something that we grew up with. And as a result of that, then uh, people have believed that mythology. What we're doing is to try to educate them of the fact that that was never true. It isn't true. That all we do is we tra- we just change focus. We just transition at the point, and there is no pain at the transition. There's never any pain. Uh, and in fact, there are stories of, of people who. Uh, there's one story of a, a man who w- was speaking from the other side, and he was describing what happened. And he was uh, in an accident. Uh, he was driving down the road with his fiance's sister, and they, he saw a, a huge semi coming at them. That's the last thing that happened. And then he, he and his fiance's sister were rising up out of the scene. He was holding her hand, and then after they had already risen up out of the scene, they saw the collision happen down below them yes. because they were taken out. So right. we are taken out. We are, we are not part of that, and people just don't realize that. So everybody believes that, that uh, the awful things happen to us, and, and we're going to die, and we're gonna, who knows where we're going to be next. And Those are just mythologies. There's a wonderful message, and, and you and I know it, and all we have to do is get it out to people. Well, Craig, it's, you're you're the first person I've heard speak of this as as mythology, and yet I just published this week a, a my latest video on YouTube in which I it's called "She Spoke to a Norse God," and it was me speaking to a being that showed up in my Odin. adventures in consciousness, Odin, and I said, Odin. "But you're a myth," and he just shot right back at me, "You are a myth." And it just nothing wonderful. has ever opened up my belief system bigger than that to really relook this life. If I want to just quickly though mention what you said is so important that every example I have in an, in a reading where a loved one passed at, by a sudden tragic accident, they show me I was out of the body watching it happen, just like you said mm-hmm. there. So any of you who's listening whose loved one may appear to have suffered. It may look that way at this level, but the soul is observing it, and all is well. Yeah, and the same thing happens when, when they're in a, in a sick bed, and it looks like they're agonizing in the sick bed. They're in a coma. They're, they're just not responsive, and the, their body is just racked with pain. They're not there. The body is there, but they tell us and, and that the person is not there anymore. Or if a person's in and out of consciousness, they do come into the body. They do come back. And at that time, then they can communicate with people. But when they're in the throes of the agony of the pain, they're not there. And so they're they're not going to be feeling that. So comforting, and it's not just Mm -hmm. placating people's grief. It is the truth as we understand it. It's the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into this uh, area of research? Well, um, I was half a century old and uh, didn't believe in anything. Uh, I had actually, uh, when I was growing up, I had gone to church and so forth and actually went to college to be a minister. I was going to be pre-ministerial in the Lutheran Mm -hmm. Church, but then I dropped off from all belief systems. Uh, I came back for a brief period of time. I was actually on the faculty of Wheaton College, uh, the Baptist institution but then i fell away from that it just didn't work for me i w- i didn't believe anything so then 
when I, I turned about 52 then, I started having people who were psychic come to into my life. They just came from all directions, uh, just one mm. after another, and I couldn't figure out why. And so I began to explore it. And I went to a psychic, and she said, uh, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to go home and take a deck of cards, uh, completely unsorted, and take one at a time, don't look at it, hold it face down on the palm of your hand, and uh, you'll discover whether it's cold or whether it's hot, and then put it into a pile. And so I did that. I made a pile of, of those that I thought were felt cold, and those that I felt felt hot. I didn't look at them, and after I did uh, maybe twenty, twenty-five of them, then I turned them over, and every card in the black pile was black. Every card except one in the red pile was, was red, and so I realized red being that, hot. That there was yeah, red being hot, and and wow. of course that's just a way of, of fooling your mind because what we had to do is we had to fool our minds out of our sensibilities our feelings about reality. Uh, mm-hmm. And if we fool our minds out of the sensibilities, then the, our, uh, our higher self and uh, our guides and, and those who love us and our, our own souls can bring things to us that we wouldn't have had otherwise. And so when we just decide, I want to know what's in this card, does it feel cold or feel hot? Then they give that to us. They give that sensation to us. And then we, we can go with that. But that's not the card isn't hot or the card isn't cold. It's just that they have used that as a message. Um, and in your case, in, when you get a symbol, it's the same thing. So you get you get the symbol for something which has happened, and, and then you, that symbol you interpret. Uh, and the same the same thing happened when when I was holding those cards. So then I, after I'd learned that I could do that, then I looked into some other psychic activities, and I decided to look into remote viewing. So in your remote viewing, you can get on a, a site, and they will have what they're called targets, and they're just photographs, and they're off someplace in the world. I have no idea where, and mm-hmm. uh, and the photograph has a, a, a code assigned to it, and the code could be AGFE or something like that. It has nothing to do with anything having to do with the picture, and all you have to do is close your eyes. And relax, go into that relaxed state, you know, where, where th- the things can happen, where you, you shut down the physical realm. And so you go into the relaxed state, and then you, you review those letters, A, A, B, F, G, whatever they are in, in your mind, just allow them to come in, and then you relax into it. And then after a while, then you get to see images. Uh, now, they're only images of parts of whatever the target is. And, and for a, a complex reason, but, but uh, the reason, uh, then you get the images and you'll then be able to sketch them, you'll be able to describe them, you can hear them, you can, you can get the feeling for them. And, and, and then as a result of that, then you know that what was true was true because you can see the picture. And so what I did was I did one of them, and the first one that I did, I was right on the mark. Everything in the picture was, was what I was viewing. And uh, so I realized then that I had psychic ability. And so uh, then I Craig, went from there. Are, I realized are, that there's. We are, Craig, we got to go to a break. I could just listen to you for hours, <laughs> but I want to hear more about what happened after that and how it okay. opened things up even more to you. So, everybody, don't go away. We'll be back in three minutes.
Want to fearlessly explore your creative spirit? Join artist Susie K. Edwards for Path of the Butterfly, a weekend workshop at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24th through 26th. Experiment with a variety of art forms, engage in mindfulness, walking, and silent meditation, and discover a new and free-flowing creative vision. This workshop is for beginners and professional artists. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. I'm so happy all of you have this opportunity to be introduced to Dr. Craig Hogan. His body of work on the afterlife and the greater reality is is incomparable. So, Craig, you were telling us about how you got into remote viewing and it started to show you that you could tap into something beyond what's right there in your physical senses. Yeah, and, and what it showed me was that the mind is not in the brain. Because uh, the brain, which is encased in the skull and has no orifices in which something like that could come through, uh, is getting the messages from someplace else. So I can't sit in my office in in Illinois and see something in somebody's home in uh, New New Jersey if my mind is in my brain. So that led me to to look further and to to discover more about it. And I was discovering scientific discoveries. Uh, Dean Radin at the uh, the Institute for uh, Noetic Sciences was was doing research in which he was finding that when he showed pictures to people and they put electrodes on their fingers, then they they would react to the pictures that were shown on a computer screen. If they were a calm picture, then then it would show that their their skin conductance was showing it was calm and relaxing. If it was disturbing, then then it showed that their body was tense. Uh, But the really interesting thing was that they were finding out that people were reacting to the pictures that were shown at random on the computer screen six or seven seconds before they were shown. In fact, they were showing that was before the computer even even showed them. So we, there's so much of this evidence from science now that that these things couldn't be happening if our brains were encased inside of our skulls, if our minds were there. Uh, and as a result of that, then I started delving into it and finding out more. And then it became obvious that that meant our we would continue to live after the brain deceased. And 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 as a result of that, then I, I discovered more and more about the life that we would live after this life and it became more exciting and there are new things that are we're discovering every day we're getting volumes of information from people living on the on the next life they're the residents there and they're, they're sending back messages they're anxious to tell us about what's going on there and so then i i developed my my ability to understand that and then started writing books and i have been doing that ever since <laughs> so we're going to talk about some of the evidence of the greater reality, but I think something even more fundamental when you say that the mind is not contained in the brain, the brain no longer works and we still exist, we still are aware. I would love for you to give us your definition of the mind. Yeah, the the mind is the experiences. So we are, there is nothing but mind in the experiences. So so our mind is experiences we're having in the greater consciousness or, or the universal consciousness, and we're having the experiences of the world, and we experience those as the mind. And that what's added to that then is our interpretations of the experiences. 
So we have the experiences that are coming into the mind, and the, and that mind is the experiences. So when we say, what is the mind? Well, the mind is our awareness. Our awareness mm-hmm. is universal. Our awareness is our soul. But our awareness then then experiences those things that happen to us. But then a really important component of it is after that, there's an interpretation. The interpretation is central, and that carries along with us. It carries along with us in our lives and into the, uh, our next life. And that interpretation can be an interpretation of something which is loving, compassionate, gentle, understanding, or it can be an interpretation which is harsh and, and uh, is separating and is keeping us away from whatever that is. Uh, and I'm reminded of the, the parable of the Good Samaritan uh, and the idea that uh, there were t- there was two priests who passed the man who was lying on the side of the, side of the road who had been beaten, and they passed away on the other side. Now, their interpretation was, oh, this is disheveled, this is awful, this is, you know, the man deserved it, and, and all those kinds of interpretations. But then the Samaritan came along, and the Samaritan had love and compassion as his interpretation of the same experience. So what that meant was he was a different man. He was a different being than than they were. Uh, And the interpretations then go along with the mind and experiences, and all of that together creates the earth school mind, and that's what we were here, given here, to learn lessons, to love one another, and to experience all of the wonderful fruits of this life. Okay. So what is your understanding of the soul? What is the soul? Yeah, the, the the soul is what is our in is our link to the higher self. In other words, our, our soul is the individual. Uh, the soul was involved in the pre-birth planning that we had before we had our Earth school minds. The Earth school minds grew up in their in Earth school, and so we have uh, blank slates. We have tabula rasas when we come into <laughs> this life, and and we develop then ourselves, but. Our soul is the, the that part of us that is in the higher self that was part of the planning, that understands the whole picture. The soul is peaceful and loving, and the more we get in touch with the soul, the more we become peaceful and loving, the more we settle into the soul that we are. But the soul is always with us and, and is always urging us and helping us and guiding us along with our guides and, and our angels and, and our loved ones. And so then the soul then is the connection to the higher self. And the higher self is another unit of the of the universal consciousness. And people don't understand, they, they think of these things as hierarchies, as though there's the universal consciousness on top, like a big god, and then there's a higher self that's underneath them, and mm-hmm. then there's soul, and, and then and that is the earth school mind. And it's not true. They're all one, and they're just in different functions. So mm-hmm. we're taking on different, different uh, mannerisms, different functions, and we go into each one of those functions, and we're now, in this life, we've decided we're going to allow ourselves to go through this life and stay in character, stay the person that we are. And our souls, which are just as much a part of us as they ever were, and the soul then is helping us and is guiding us and is giving us help during this time. Uh, and, of course, all of that is, is being guided by the universal consciousness uh, that we are one with. And uh, because of the fact that we're all part of the universal consciousness, we're all one with the universal consciousness. We're not separate from each other. And as a result of that, our souls then are in league with each other. They're working with each other. And so then what soul will we'll ask another person's soul to do something for us. 
uh, in this life. And so that other person's soul then will inspire that person to do something that we need. And so that's how that, that comes about. Uh, but everything that happens is among the souls is for our benefit. Uh, and uh, there's nothing in, in which they're, they are separate from us or that somehow are different from us. Yes, and something that's really been driven home to me lately is that the soul truly is not harmed by what happens to us in our human experience. Mm-hmm. I'd love to hear you address that. Yeah, that's really important that, that the soul is is the universal part of the universal consciousness cannot be harmed, cannot be uh, in any way damaged. Nothing can happen to it. And as a result of the fact that, that nothing can harm it, when we have things happen to us in the body, great disasters, awful things happen to us, uh, they don't harm us. They don't harm the soul. Mm-hmm. And we continue then after that, after this period of life, uh, with the soul completely intact, with ourselves completely intact, with all the lessons we've learned, all the, the people that we love, they're, they're all in, involved in them. That also means that, that if a, a, an, a person is not carried through birth, so if there's a miscarriage or there's some other reason that, that the, the infant is not born, mm-hmm. that that person then is the, the soul is not damaged at all. It, it, it right. hasn't been affected by it. And what happens is the soul then, if, it's, if the person is loved, if that soul is loved by the mother and by the other people involved, then they will be born in the next life. They will grow there in the same rate they would if they were here on the earth plane, and there will be a wonderful reunion when uh, when the, the mother and, and the others then meet them on the next plane of life. But that there can be no harm that would come. Nothing that happens to the body harms the soul, and that's the central point. It's very comforting and certainly true to the experience I've had with so many evidential readings. Have you had any experiences in your personal life that have proved to you about your eternal nature? Yeah, over and over again, I've had experiences that have happened to me, and there are wonderful things that happen. I can do the I can do automatic writing in which I will get messages and. And uh, I've done automatic writing. Before I wrote my first book, which was Your Eternal Self, I was doing automatic writing, and I was speaking to a person whom I knew who is now uh, in the next life. Her her name was Greta, and she was a medium uh, on this side of life, actually a psychic on this side of life. And uh, and I spoke to her, and I asked her uh, about what she was doing, and she said that, to me and through automatic writing that she would like to write to, in the next book with me. Mm-hmm. And and so I said, well, Greta, that would be wonderful, but how do I know that's true? Can you give me some, the, the evidence that will let me know that that's true? And so uh, she, I was scribbling all this down, you know, in automatic writing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I was scribbling it down, and I, I got the response, um, uh, test me, test me. And I said, okay, um, what's going to be the headline on, on MSNBC in, in the future? Oh, and she said, Hurricane Ivan targets Cuba. 
and just like that, and I wrote it down, you know, scribbled wow. it down when I got it. And, and, of course, for the next two or three days, I was watching the news. There was a hurricane out there in the Atlantic. I didn't know what it was, but I watched the news, and Hurricane Ivan started getting faster and closer and closer. And then, and then one day I looked on MSNBC, and there it was, Hurricane Ivan targets Cuba, just oh, like that. Oh, wow. That is great. And, yeah, and that was a revelation, saying that, uh, that that was true. The same thing happened when I was doing automatic writing and, and conversing with my mother. And I was scribbling things down as fast as they came to me. And I said, uh, Mom, how do I know that, that, uh, that you're speaking to me right now? And she said, two will be absent. And I said, I was scribbling that down. Mm-hmm. And I was about to have a meeting. It was actually a circle meeting. And uh, no sooner did the first person come through the door than they said, oh, uh, Joan and Marsha are not going to be here this evening. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, what it does what it did was uh, and, and I have many other instances of things like that where, where people uh, who are my loved ones uh, my guides then will speak to me directly very very uh, prominently and I'll hear them from the other side uh, and we have a circle we have a physical mediumship circle I just wrote it mediumship. down you're so funny yeah. <laughs> we are, <laughs> are synced today <laughs> yeah uh, we have a physical medium circle. Would you tell it people what physical mediumship is, please? What's that? You need to tell people what physical mediumship is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's uh, a circle where we get together and we sit around a table. It's the, like the classical seance kind of thing. We sit around a circle and we, and we have a darkened room. We put our, our fingers on to the table and when we're doing that, then we sing songs. We just sing pop music. And in fact, uh, our circle really likes ZZ Top. Uh, and we just <laughs> sing at the top of our voices and we just have fun and we joke and we laugh with each other. And the, we do that with the intent of connecting with teams on the other side. And we did that for about seven years. And then they honored that after we had done that, of meeting and regularly and, and sitting around the table. They honored that by coming through and, and letting us know that they were there by rocking the table. And uh, when they rocked the table, then that was the first communication. Then they started answering questions for us and, and doing other things. But physical mediumship is where you sit in a room and, and you've got a group of people sitting around a table or sitting around the, the, the perimeter of the room, and things will happen in the room. Things will move around the room. Uh, you'll hear voices in the room. Uh, and they actually will have people come to you, and they will uh, speak, speak to you. So I was in one seance with David Thompson, who's a physical medium. Mm-hmm. And uh, I heard somebody came, come out of the curtain, out of the closet where he was. And the person came over and stood in front of me and talked to me and, and, and said, do you mind if I put my hand on your head? And he put his hand on my head, and I could feel it. I could feel the, the bone structure. I could feel the, the size of it, uh, the warmth of it. And then he spoke to me about what was, what was going on. Uh, I was in another seance. I was sitting next to Sherry Pearl, who is a, a woman who works with EVP, with electronic mm-hmm. voice phenomena. And uh, she was sitting next to me, and, and her son came through. Danny came through, who is in spirit. And Danny came over to her and talked to her, and, and, and then at the end of it, then he, he bent down and he kissed her. And this actually happened in the seance, uh, because what happens is they can materialize, uh, because they're very much alive. They yeah. just are not in the same bodies that they were here, but then they materialize uh, just temporarily into the body, and then they have that experience with us. 
So those that are some of the experiences an, that I've had. It takes an What's awful that? lot of dedication. And then I was so impressed when I heard about your physical mediumship group, how you were meeting regularly and going through these steps to raise the vibration. And it just doesn't happen automatically. And that's why we don't no. see it these days, because there aren't that many people that are dedicated for something that you don't always get the results right away. That's it, right? That's what happens. Uh, yeah. But if, they, if people will do it, if they're dedicated to it, then they will honor that. The teams will. And it actually is teams. They tell us that there are hundreds of people who are involved in this, but but then there are prominent people who are involved. And they, the teams on the other side then are going to honor that. They're going to come through. Every Sunday night they come through to, to us. They come into the room with us and spend time. My mother is among those uh, who comes through. She's part of our team, and, and she has communicated to us, uh, to the team. And so we learn things. And we're learning them through both a mental medium and we're learning them through asking questions and then they rock the table in response. And we have one developing physical medium. A physical medium is a medium who can sit in a group like that, in a circle. And mm-hmm. because of the physical medium's power, because of the energy, the spirit energy, uh, plus the, the power of the team that's working with us on the other side, can make things happen in the room, by like moving things and, and making lights occur and, and then materializations. And we have one developing physical medium right now in our circle. That's awesome. Awesome. So how about people who are adjusting to the passing of a loved one who might be listening now? Where do you suggest they begin on getting to know that their greater reality is real and connecting personally with their loved one. You teach a method, a self-guided afterlife communication method. Mm-hmm. How do they find out about that? Well, the, the self-guided afterlife communication method t- helps them to go into a state of mind in which they can have the connection. And it actually is a form of self-hypnosis. But it's something mm-hmm. that they can learn uh, at home. It's free. It's online. It's at self-guided period spiritualunderstanding.org. And they can get online and they can go through the stages. It's training. It's actual training. And if they go through the stages and they are really diligent in doing it, then they will have a connection uh, at their own just sitting in in their house. And I guide them through it in the first mm-hmm. part of it, uh, along with music. So there's mu- there's music in there. They have headphones on. And there is um, the music is going is, volume is going up and down between the ears. It's called bilateral stimulation. And then mm-hmm. as they go through that, then I teach them first how to anou- and allow unfoldment, to allow things to happen. Uh, exactly what you teach when you when you teach them to just um, to uh, um, to uh, abandon. What do you say? Surrender. Surrender. Uh, and yep. it's exactly the same thing. Uh, and so then it teaches them how to surrender, how to allow them to happen. And then after they've learned how to do that, then just to allow whatever happens to happen. And it can be anything. So things can come through their mind that just don't make any sense and, and things that they think are crazy, but they allow them, allow them to come through. And what happens then that our loved ones can take that advantage of that. We've yeah. opened it up. We're, we're not expecting anything. We're not requiring anything. We're just allowing it. And they then can come in and they can have their connection with us. And so the people, they will sit there in their living room, they close their eyes, and eventually then when they get to the final stage in the training, they're able to do that anywhere. So they're sitting in a, in a doctor's office and they're waiting for their appointment. They just can close their eyes and go into the state of mind, in, which is that relaxation, surrender the same way that you teach, and then yeah. allow the... the 
connection to happen. And then we have 86% of the people who go through it are successful. And some of them are now having connections every day. It's just part of their daily lives. That's- Awesome. Really, really awesome and exciting. Can you hear everybody clapping? <laughs> oh, goodness. So tell us what you, from your experience and your research what life is like once we've lost these human suits. Yeah, life is wonderful uh, in the next plane of life. And what happens is that when we go through that transition, the transition is an easy transition. That's the first thing that people say who have gone over to the next plane of life, and, and they come back and describe it. They say, this was, that was no problem. It just, it just happened, and you know, it's, it's almost like it didn't happen at all. Uh, some people go into a sleep, uh, and uh, other people then will, will actually rise out of their bodies and be aware of their bodies that are there. But none of it is frightening. Everybody says that when they when they rise out of the body or when they when they leave the body, that they are just they feel light, they feel free, they feel loving, they feel they just ecstatic. And uh, of course, you know that those in NDEs don't want to come back, and I don't blame them because it's just a wonderful experience. So then they go on. And then in a variety of circumstances, some of them will wake up in a field or uh, or they'll wake up in, in a house that they were familiar with as a child or uh, or they may be in a, a, what is called a, a convalescent room and that's where they uh, wake up and it looks like a hospital but it has no walls and there are other mm-hmm. people in beds there and they're uh, then making the adjustment because they have to make the adjustment from what they were in in this life into the next. And so then they make that adjustment, and then their loved ones come. There's always a reunion. If somebody doesn't have someone to come to take care of them, then there are people who come and will take care of them. And then after that, then they'll go on to live, and they live in houses. They live uh, with other people. They only live with the people they want to. They don't have to live with somebody that they didn't want to live with. You know, they make their choices. If somebody had two spouses in this side of life, then they will decide which one they want to live with or with neither of them. And But that's up to them, and they can do that. And so then there are houses and streets and streams and rivers and, and recreational vehicles that, that they have, and, and they just enjoy life. They have gatherings together. They have wonderful concerts of thousands of instruments, instruments that we can't even imagine. The colors, there are colors that, that are beyond mm-hmm. our colors. So they're yeah. colors that, that when they come back and describe it, they say, I, I have a real hard time describing this. It's nothing like anything ha- happened on Earth. The flowers there not only are beautiful and, and huge, they also have melodies coming from them. So there's sounds coming from them. So it, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful world. There are no beginnings and no endings. There are only transitions. We only grow from there. And we don't ever go back. We don't ever go backwards. And so it's a, it's a wonderful world that we can look forward to, uh, and then we could stay in that world as long as we want before progressing. And yet, and yet, I have so many people who say, "Well, what if my loved ones already come back before I cross?" And I've I have been told repeatedly by my guides, it's not all or nothing. That that because it's all arising from the unity unified consciousness, that that person can still greet us even if that soul is having another experience in this life have you encountered anything to support that yeah we've heard quite a bit about that and and the we when we go on to the life after this life we go on as individuals and we will stay as individuals even when we rise into a higher celestial level in our understanding our wisdom and our, our love and compassion 
And so we are always an individual, the same individual, we always are available. What happens is that there are other individuals who then their souls will will bring come into the earth plane from the higher self. And so the higher self has many, many individuals. And the way they describe it in Rob Schwartz's book, it's a really good description. If Everybody should read Rob Schwartz's book on the soul planning uh, mm-hmm. and the soul's gifts. Uh, but they, what happens is he describes them actually planning uh, this new person's life, and the soul is part of the planning. And as they plan this new person's life who's going to be coming on the earth plane, they draw from other lives. They may take a framework from another life, from another person's life, mm-hmm. because they wanted to learn something that wasn't learned when that person was was in the earth plane and so then they will take fragments they will take parts they'll take frameworks from the other ones so there is a unity between those souls and that's the unity and that we can't fully understand how we can be individuals but yet still be unified with that other individual but then that other individual then comes into the earth plane learns the lessons and and then the the higher self all souls who are involved learn lessons from it but we as individuals remain individuals throughout eternity and we can always communicate with our loved ones at any time. Yeah, yeah. We have about just a couple minutes to go. If that next life is so wonderful, and this life here sometimes is so challenging, what's to keep us here? Yeah, the, what's to keep us here is the fact that, that this is like this is uh, the first, the most important, the anchor point in our spiritual growth. So. The next life is wonderful, but this life is the life that is bringing us into it as infants. We're learning here. We're we're preparing ourselves for it. The rewards of the next life would not be rewarding if we didn't go through what we're going through in this life. This life is preparation. This life, only in this life can we learn the lessons that we're, we've come here to learn. We set out to do that. We planned them before we came here. All the other souls involved came with and planned them. And so now all we have to do is stay with this life as the preparation for our reward which will come. But to stay with this life because this is where we grow into the person we'll, we're going to become. And so we and, can't and do that Craig, if we if truncate it. If I could just add, but just being able to shift to the soul's perspective and show us this isn't the only life, to me that makes all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That, and so that's very important. Well, your your large body of work as we run out of time here, it, it, we've only touched the surface of it, but it just so helps us to understand, and I thank you so much for all you've contributed. Thanks for joining us today, Craig. I've loved it. Thank you. Yeah, so please, everybody, check up, check out Afterlife Research Institute. Let me get it straight. <laughs> what is it, Craig? It's Afterlife. the Afterlife Research and Education Institute. Education Institute and mm-hmm. all of its wonderful books. It's been an honor. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.